This is the Kaniac Report. I am Sam Wallace. And I am Sam Driscoll. And you know what? What? The Carolina Hurricanes are the number one team in the National Hockey League. Yes, they are. And if you like this episode, please share, leave a review, and hit that subscribe button so you will never miss another episode. And if you like it, please share it. We had a great week, a very victorious week. And uh, let's start out with that Pittsburgh game. First period, not very good or kind of had some scary similarities to the Caps game. And that just scared the ever-living snot out of me, for sure. Um we definitely don't want that. Um, Carolina needed to come out strong. They did not, but somehow they got away with it. But we'll talk about the first period still just to see how things went. Uh, yes, because the first goal was scored by uh, one of the best players in Jake Goons- Goonsil, or There's another way out to pronounce that, wasn't it? Or is it just Goonsil? It's Gens. I think it's Jake Gensel. Um, That's right. He's a great player. He's going to score. You get that kind of an opportunity. He's going to put it in the net. And Carolina just didn't seem to want to play. Carolina didn't want to play, and that's what happens. They got beat. They got easily beat. And that first period was horrendous. They got what they deserved—a two-nothing deficit. You have Jake Gensel, who's an all-star, unbelievably good player, talented, the future of Pittsburgh, and you have. Pittsburgh's current all-star and Sidney Crosby. He's going to make you pay. Yeah. And that's what they both did. Yep. With that second goal, that really got me down uh, with Crosby scoring the second goal because, I mean, you're coming off of a bad game in Washington. You're probably thinking at the end of that first, here we go again. That's with Pittsburgh now. But uh, this team showed character particularly Jordan Stahl in the second period as he put this team on his back, and that's what leaders do. Yeah, Jordan Stahl did what all leaders do, and he put the team on his back. He played really, really good hockey. I mean, honestly, even in that first period, he played really good hockey. Yeah, he did. Um, Because that first goal uh, was a very hard-fought goal, and it was... Assisted by who was it? it? Oh yeah, Niederreiter. It was really good, and that second period they really came out fighting. Yeah, and it was important to have that. Carolina needed to play well. Carolina needed to have a good, solid game, and they had that. And Carolina um, got it, and Jordan Stahl in the second period with a great goal from Nina Ryder, but that line's been playing good, Stahl, Nina Ryder, and Faust. And then you had a really good period in the third period with Jordan Stahl again. Shocker, right? No, Jordan Stahl, when he scores, usually it's in pairs or several games in a row. Jordan Stahl gets another one from uh, Ethan Bear. Tip pops it past Kristen Jari. Good lucky bounce. Carolina earned it. Tied yes. the game. There wasn't much really going on in this game for Carolina until Jordan Stahl had the magic. Exactly. And uh, what's funny is that, if, if you remember, when we'll get to the uh, Colorado game, but Ethan Bear, Bear did the same thing um, in Colorado by just slinging it toward the net way out. 
and it gets tipped, and this time it was by Jordan Stahl putting this team on his back, and it was just amazing. And then we get to that overtime goal, and boy, overtimes just get me stressed out so much, but this was a good overtime in the fact that Sveshnikov finally scores from Teravainen and Ajo off of a rebound, too, from Teravainen shot. Yeah, no, it was really great to see because, and let's let's kind of talk about what led up to the overtime goal, right? So, Vincent Trocek does what he does best, which is irritate Christopher Letang, and Letang retaliates. How often in this season have we seen Carolina get hit at, like a penalty that would have that should be a penalty on on the opposing team? Instead, Carolina gets a retaliatory penalty. For once, it goes the other way. Christopher Letang gets called. Carolina to the power play. Carolina has a top 10 power play in the league. They're unbelievable. And they made Pittsburgh pay. And Andrei Svechnikov is going to put that away. And he did. Svechnikov scores. And that's it. That's ball game. Carolina wins against Pittsburgh. That's two games in a row. Carolina's won against Pittsburgh. They're 2-0-0 against the Penguins. Granted, they did give up a point to Pittsburgh, but it doesn't matter. Because Carolina, at the moment... Carolina at the moment in this game has a, I think it's an eight to 10 point lead, eight point, eight, eight point, point lead, lead against the Penguins. That's unbelievable between one, one and two. Plus they have a game in hand. So if Carolina won the game in hand, we had 10 points. So they have somewhere anywhere between at any given time, an eight to 10 point lead on Pittsburgh. They're winning. The division is 100% on the backs of the Carolina hurricanes. Yeah, and I do remember that Chris Latang goal, uh, not goal, but uh, penalty. And what's funny is that the refs gave him some time to back off and not call it. But Latang kept nudging Trocek, and uh, they were like, dude, I have to send you to the box. It was more like an obligation from the refs than actually calling it because he was doing it so much. It was hit after hit, cross-check after cross-check. What do you expect? They're going to call that. They, you cannot keep cross-checking someone who does not have the puck, and they're either going to call cross-check or they're going to call It took them time to, to uh, call that. I mean, yeah, you clearly you don't want the overtime game to be called to be decided on a power play. I mean, you really don't. And I'm I'm all for that. I'm all for letting them play. But if you keep doing it and the ref is right there, they're literally in a position, and then they have to call it, or that's it. I mean, they have no choice. They have to call it. I mean, if Carolina was in the position in doing that, yeah, call the penalty. All Hurricanes fans ever want, and this is just the truth, they want. An evenly officiated game. That's it. And I think we got that in Pittsburgh. I think this week in general, Carolina has gotten that to a degree. At least it's looked a little bit better recently. It has. But that's really all Hurricanes fans have ever wanted, at least in my opinion, my understanding of what I'm seeing and speaking for myself. I want a fairly evenly officiated game. I don't want to see one team get away with something, but then the other team not. It just needs to be even, fair, fun, fast, good hockey game. And that's honestly what we had at the Penguins game. Yeah, and uh, we'll give some credit to the refs. I did think uh, mostly this week uh, officiating was better. Um, could it improve? I think officiating could improve 
every game, but uh, it took an improvement, and that's a first step, which is, to me, that's nice. And what was funny about that retaliatory penalty for Latang, Trocek's face, man, was priceless. He was just like, dude, what the heck, man? He's kind of like... <laughs> well, I mean, if I remember right, Trocek was in the box before that. He comes out... I think he was, yeah, it was right after, it was after his five-minute major for the fight concluded. He's out in overtime, and he does what Benson Trocek does best, which is be a little pest. And he pestered Christopher Letang just a little too much, and Letang decided he had enough and retaliated and Carolina to the power play, and that's all she wrote. Trocek did won. get a penalty, uh, I believe, late in the third, but he It was, he yeah, came it was out. the fighting major. It yeah, was the fighting major. That's right. Um, but yeah, that was a uh, a very fun game, um, excluding the that crappy first period. Now uh, let's get to that Seattle game. And first things first, we do have a I, I named it as a special. So if you want to go listen to the Drawn Force and Tributes, it is available everywhere. But I do want to give a little bit of a nod to him. Uh, because there was a tribute for him at that Seattle game. Yeah, I mean, it was great. I mean, the moment that he came on, I mean, every fan in that building stood up and started applauding. I mean, you were there, I was there, we got to see, you know, you could see John on the Jumbotron waving to the fans, everyone was happy to see him. I mean, That every, got me emotional. Oh, absolutely insane. Every single Carolina Hurricanes fan loves John Forslund. They love John Forslund. Over the bad, especially over the bad years, he brought the team to the fans. He made it enjoyable. He made it worthwhile. And John Forsland was 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 special, and he still is special. And I tend to believe, you know, I bet John wishes he was still in Carolina, um, especially the way we're playing. Yeah, and I mean, you know, good for him. I love the fact that. John Forsen was able to bring hockey to North Carolina. And there's something awesome about the fact that he's able to bring hockey again to somewhere new in Seattle. And he's doing that. I mean, I'm sure that the Kraken fans, and if there are any out there, you know, just letting you know, Seattle fans, you you guys are lucky in having John Forslin. That's no slight on, on Tripp and Mike. They're outstanding. They've been great. But there's just another tier to get to when it's John Forslin. And John's the best in, in the business. And... um all the best to him. All the best to them in Seattle. Um, you, you guys, again, you can go back and listen to us and the uh, the tributes. We love John. We wish him the best. Uh, we miss him every every broadcast. Obviously, he's a he's a hurricane through and through to us. Um, and uh, we love the tribute for him. It was emotional. It was great. And that was really the only thing that happened in the first period that mattered. Yeah, because uh, we didn't score. And I noticed as I was. Making our notes for uh, this podcast uh, for the games is that I don't think we scored in the first period at all this past week. So uh, that that's interesting. Um, I think it's something that needs that needs to be improved upon. Yes, but it has not been hurting us yet. No, you want to come out strong, and this is where it becomes a little concerning. Is that in almost every other than we'll exclude the Pittsburgh game, right? Carolina has had dominant first periods, but got nothing out of it. Like Colorado. Yeah. Like like exactly. Like the Colorado game, which we'll get to, where you have a dominant first period and get literally nothing out of it. Exactly. 
And uh, but we get into the second period, and that's where m- most of the goals came from. Seattle scores first, and that was a little bit of a concern uh, with Alex Winberg scoring for them. But then we get it pretty quickly right back with just an excellent one-touch pass by KK to Anita Ryder, and we tie it. I mean, let's be honest. Um, and we'll, we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about Coach Kinyemi in just a minute, but Coach Kinyemi has been really, really good for us of late, and I mean that proves it, right? I mean, Coach Kinyemi, uh, unbelievable pass to Nina Ryder, who who has been one of the best Hurricanes players of late. Um, Nino Nina Ryder is outstanding. He's been outstanding, honestly, probably since the calendar year switched over to 2022. And it's not that he's scoring goals. It's that that line is solid, whether it's on defense or offense. I mean, you feel like they could score almost every shift. You feel like they shut down the opposing team every shift. And in this shift, they score. Kotkaniemi, Jarvis, I mean, Nina Ryder, I'm guessing, you know, it was a little bit different line combination. It was a power play. That's that's what I thought. It was a power play goal. And that power, and honestly, and if I'm being honest, that second power play unit has looked a little bit better than the first. But again, they'll find their groove. The power play's been good this year. Penalty kills obviously been better, but the power play has been good this year. And you can tell those people who have watched, uh, the games, especially after the injury um, to D'Angelo, that we do miss him. I love Slavin um, on that back end, um, but he's no Tony D'Angelo. D'Angelo is very dynamic, and Slavin has his own style, and that's him being a very steady defensive m- mindset defen- defenseman. Yeah, I mean, Jacob Slavin's a stay-at-home guy. That's what you expect from him. That's what you want from him. And Tony D'Angelo is the guy you want quarterbacking that first unit. So, yeah, obviously the Carolina Hurricanes cannot wait for um, Tony D'Angelo to get back. And when he is, Carolina's power play is good now. It will be even better when he gets back. Yes. And unfortunately, Seattle gets it right back with Cali Like I remember that goal. That was a direct interception from Pesci. I remember that. It was a breakaway, and they scored. Uh, Pesci, I didn't think he had the best game against Seattle, but I thought he really bounced back with Colorado and today's game, which we'll get to, which is Philly. So Yeah, I mean, what, you know, when you have Brett Pesci, Jacob Slavin on the team, they're going to have bad games. I, I mean, last week, Jacob yeah. Slavin didn't look very good. But, I mean, it's what happens when you play your best almost every game. You're, you you are allowed a bad game here and there. And Slavin had his. Pesci's had his. Shea has had his, has had his share of his. D'Angelo has had plenty of his. I mean, you know, you're going to have bad games. Ajo, Taravainen, Stahl, Svechnikov, they've all had bad games. It's just part of it. It's part of the, it's part of the game. And, you know, it's unfortunate. Uh, but Seattle cashes in. But Carolina, again, what do they do? They battle back. They did it again. Tavo Teravainen, who's been on an absolute tear, scores from Ajo and Trocek. And it, it was in that little pocket on the power play. Yeah, too. Carolina's um, like, I think they went 
wow. two for three or, or something like that. On the power play that game. Yeah, I mean, in the, both of those goals are very, very similar. You know, they were in the bumper position, and they just rocketed it home with Tara Vinen and... Um, Nina Ryder. Now, Nina Ryder was a lot closer to the net. He was right beside it, but Teravina was right where Ajo usually shoots on that power play. I believe so. Yeah. I could was, be wrong, but I believe so. It was on the power play. I know that. Yeah, it was a great goal. Carolina ties it, and that's what you wanted at the end of a period. You wanted to you wanted to be tied going into the third, and that's what Carolina did. They got it tied, and they headed into the third. And then um, Natchez finally scores. Natchez finally scores a goal. I mean, oh my goodness. Marty Natchez finally puts one in. He acted like he scored the game-winning goal in Game 7 of the Stanley Cup playoffs. Which, what do you expect from from a kid who just has not played well at all? Let's not kid ourselves. If you think he has, you're obviously not watching the games. Marty Natchez has not played well. Even in the Seattle game, I really don't think Natchez played well. But I think you'll see, I think you will have seen his game start to build, right? I think Marty Natchez, after that goal, his game's starting to build. He played well in Colorado. I thought he was great he against Philly. Well, yeah, he played well tonight against the Flyers. And we'll talk about the line changes for Philly, too. So, And I think that's important. I think it's important for, for Natchez to have good game and for Natchez to play well. And Marty Natchez did what Natchez needed to do. And that's what was needed. And Natchez scored. And that's what was great. That was the best part of that game. Carolina could have lost that game. But you got the most important thing out of it, which was one of your players who needs to score goals, scoring goals. And not only was it a goal that uh, you know ended a drought, it was the game-winning goal. That was ball game. Carolina won that game 3-2 to two, thanks to Marty Natchez' late goal. Burying the burying the Kraken and sending them back, as Mike Maniscalco said, to Davy Jones' locker. I love that. I love Mike's references. It kind of reminds me, like we talked a little bit earlier, of John Forslund. Because uh, I can tell he kind of got some tips from Forslund um, while he commentates games. It's it's, it's awesome. Uh, but yeah, that was a uh, great... Seattle game. Obviously, it was emotional for the f- mostly from a fan's standpoint because of Forsland. But the next game, that was much more emotional with Colorado, as this is East meets West. Um, big game, and you and even Landis Gog. I mean, after that game, yeah, he had some words about fishing. We're, we're not going to discuss Landis Gog's words. I don't want to really give breath to them or life to them I he's a great he acted, captain he is a good captain but i thought he acted like a child anyone who knows carolina's history knows that nine out of ten games that kind of a call goes against them and for the one time it doesn't you're gonna cry and whine about it i'm sorry it's you play each other twice a year get over yourself yeah i heard his interview i mean what I liked is that you can tell from what he, because he's a smart guy. He wasn't really reactionary with how he said it. He really thought it through. I mean, again, as a Canes fan, I don't really like that he says that, but he it, it just shows that he's a smart, great captain, great leader. Um, but we both had this game circled yeah. on our calendars. We were excited to go. You and I were able to were able to hit it. It was an unbelievable game. It was a great game. It was probably 
even though it was low scoring, I'm going to tell you right now, there was not a single game that I have enjoyed more this season because this is the game you had the two best teams in the National Hockey League head-to-head. Yes, and Colorado's been looking a little bit human as of lately. I, I saw that they lost to, uh, I believe it was New Jersey, a few days before this game. Um, but they're still, I think they're still the best team in the West. No, absolutely. They're they're one hundred percent the best team in in the Western Conference. Um, but let let but let's talk about it, right? First period was all Carolina. Absolutely, I have never seen a more dominating performance in my life, other than that period. It was unbelievable. And let, let's be honest, Darcy Kemper was lights out. But that just shows what Colorado has from the net out. They're a good team. And when their team doesn't come to play on time, which they which they didn't, Colorado did not start to on time against Carolina. Carolina probably could have scored four or five in the first, but Darcy Kemper bailed them out. Darcy Kemper kept them in the game, and and that's all she wrote in the first period. It was all Carolina and all Kemper. Yeah, KK had a great chance, couldn't bury it. Uh, that was one play that I do remember, and um, I thought. Um, especially in that first period, one line I want to highlight that um, is the first line: Aho, Fetch, Turbo. Honestly, recapping that whole game, I thought that first line was better than Colorado's first yeah. line with McKinnon. I mean, you know, it that's true. But you also, I mean, let's take a look. It was the Aho line up against the the McKinnon line, and I think Aho played a better game. I think that I think the Hurricanes line matched against the McKinnon line was better than that line. And that's good because let's be honest, this is a potential Stanley Cup final matchup we saw. And regardless of how it turns out, sign me up. That would be probably the most exciting fast-paced playoff series in in recent history. It would be exciting, it would be close, it would be it would probably go the distance. It would be fun. Oh, yeah, it would. And we definitely saw what Colorado can do in that second period because they were clearly the better team in that second period. And that's what you get, right? I mean, Carolina comes out, but then, you know, Colorado's going to answer the bell. They did. So it goes from Carolina out out shooting the avalanche, like, by a lot to... The Avalanche out shooting Carolina by a lot in that second period. Yes, and I, I have the shots right here. First period when we were dominant, we had 19 shots. Colorado has 11. And then second period, obviously Colorado was clearly the best team in that period. And the stats show Colorado had 17 shots that second to our six. Yep. So it, it's just amazing looking at the difference there from the first and second period. But again, it was an exciting period because Carolina still had chances. It was a fun, fast paced first period, a fun, fast paced second period. And then we move on to the third where you have Carolina and Colorado. You're getting their best in that period, right? You got the absolute best of both worlds from Nathan McKinnon, Gabriel Landeskog, Nazem Kadri, to the best from Carolina, from Sebastian Ajo, Tavo Teravina, Nino Ninoreiter, Jordan Stahl. They all played 
outstanding. It was exciting. It was fun. And at the end of the day, I want to give props to um, the huge caniac that he is, Nazim Kadri, oh, for boy. tipping that uh, tipping that goal in for uh, Ethan Bear. And Carolina takes that one goal lead. So again, thank you, thank you to to Nazim Kadri who absolutely lost it when he tipped it past his own goal. Come on, man, act like an yeah. adult. Just understand you messed up. Well, um, so. And I think this is what happened leading up to that goal because I heard what Landeskog said after the game. I think there was a penalty um, on Niederreiter, I think it was. A non-call. It was a non-call on on, uh, Kadri, which, and I think that was the reason why Kadri kind of flipped out there because he was like, wait, what? Um, Now, he he did tip that puck um, into his own net. I get a little bit of a chuckle out of that. Um, yeah, because most people understand Nazim Kadri is an extremely dirty player. He's not really a classy player, and, and he and honestly, let's be honest, he got what was coming to him in that game. Yeah, well, he 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 is their version of Vincent Trocheck. I, I, I would I would I, say, I would say that- uh, he, he might be a little bit dirtier, but they both have that role of being a pest. They both have the pest role, but unlike. Unlike Kadri, Trocek doesn't have that history of suspensions and history no, he doesn't. of of dirty plays that that Kadri has, and, and and it's possible that the officiating took that into account because I, I also heard what Landeskog said, but I mean they're going to take that into account. Well, let's go back and talk about Jeff Skinner. Jeff Skinner had a history with Carolina of being a diver, which is why when people would would hook Skinner, trip Skinner, slash Skinner whatever, like high stick him, it wasn't called because he had a history of that. And he also wasn't Sidney Crosby. So <laughs> they're going to call it, and they're not going to call it. And Kadri has a history. He has a record. And I'm sorry, like, it doesn't just go away. That's just how the NHL is. If you have a history, like Carolina, I guess, for whatever reason, I don't understand it, has a history of taking penalties has a history of diving for whatever reason even though none of these players on this team in my opinion is a diver uh it gets called against us and the one time they chose not to call it yeah i'm sorry you're gonna complain about it have you watched i I would be willing to bet colorado nazim kadri gabriel landeskog they haven't paid attention to what carolina has had to deal with this season Come on, man. Like, come on. Just just grow up and understand. Calls go against you. Carolina's lost some games because of it. You don't see the players going out there and blaming it on officiating. Yeah, you've seen Rod have some issues with it in the past. But it's so rare. And it probably, I don't know if he's done it this season. In fact, I don't think he has. I think he, I think he got angry during the, during the Caps game. During the game, in the middle of a game, when you get emotional, like Kadri did. But you, you, you don't see... Rod Brendamore was very calm and composed in the the aftermath. Even admitted it was a penalties that were called in that Caps game. I mean, Colorado, you lost a game to the Eastern Conference team. It doesn't affect you that much. I mean, it doesn't affect you at all unless you play each other in the playoffs. And because of that game, we won the President's Trophy. But I still think Colorado is the best in the league. I want to see what happens when we play them again in Colorado with with full strength. Because yeah. remember, D'Angelo wasn't yeah. out there, and Anderson. Wasn't out there, which yeah. is why I want to give props to Ranta. Um, I thought his probably best save of the season was on Nathan McKinnon when he saved saved it with his shoulder. 
coming in, ranting in all alone on the side, I believe on the right side of Ranta. And he stops it, and I'm just like, wow, he was able to save a Nathan McKinnon shot. Because to me, that's the player that scares me the most. Along with maybe Kale McCarr second. Yeah, Colorado's good. I can't wait for the game in Colorado. We're really going to see kind of what these two teams are made of there. And you never know what will happen. If Carolina wins it, maybe Carolina's the best team in the league. I think that's really going to be the tall tale sign. Um, we'll see what happens. Um, but that's it. Carolina gets that one. They get the empty netter, and they go home with two points in regulation time with Ajo uh, stripping the puck away, popping it in the empty net. Yeah, he intercepted it from, I believe it was Bowen Byram. I'm not 100% sure, but... <laughs> but you get a great play from your from your best player, and that's what you expect. And Carolina ended that um, abysmal, not able to score on the empty net drought, pops it in in the empty net. Yes, and... And it was also this game, too, where I found out um, our home record right now, we're like on a 13-game point streak right now, which is amazing. It's, what you, it's amazing, and that's what you expect from one of the top teams in the league. Especially right now, we are the number one team in the National Hockey League. Um, that's what you expect. That's what you need to, to be a, a Stanley Cup contender. You need to be the best that there is. The best around. Um, Carolina is number one in the league. They're tied with Colorado in points, but we have a game in hand, so that's why we're number one. We have the best points percentage in the league. Um, that's expected, and yeah. Carolina's doing it. They're playing it right, and um, they're probably one of the most formidable, formidable teams in the National Hockey League. Yes, they are. And if we win the President's Cup, I mean, Good on them, but the main cup should be Stanley Cup. And I know there's the President Cup curse. And, I mean, I, I, I really want us to win the Stanley Cup. I think that's a trophy that everybody wants. They don't really care about the President's Trophy. I mean, but it'd be nice because you're adding that to a resume on the the players, the coach, and Brenda Moore, and the GM, and Waddell. Yeah. They all deserve it. I mean, Rod, Rod would be that would be his second Stanley Cup, well deserved. Don Waddell has built an incredible team. Tom Dundon has given uh, Waddell and company the money to spend to yeah. the cap, which our former owner did not. Which is, I mean, I, I I appreciate him and everything he did bringing hockey to Carolina and getting us that first cup. But after that, it's like he was just non-existent. It was time to sell, and I'm glad he's gone. I'm glad he's far away from this organization now. And that we get such great um, leadership in Tom Dundon, Don Waddell, and Rod Brindamore. And that's why we are where we are, is because of those three and men in, in, in particular. And it's great. I'm happy. It's exciting to go and see the product on the ice. Of course, to some sacrifices of, of you know, former radio guy Chuck Caton's no longer with the organization and, and John Forsland. But that's because uh, Don Waddell values the most what's on the ice. Understandable. I mean, it, it makes You're sense. paying the I most. What's on the ice? Yeah, and I get it. I totally get it. Obviously, fans don't like it, and it wasn't popular. But I can promise you right now, every fan in that stadium, when the Carolina Hurricanes hoist the cup this year, they're going to understand it more. They're going to get it, and it's going to be exciting. And um, one thing, you touched on uh, Peter Carmanos, our previous owner. I, I remember an interview that Forslund had with Ron Francis, and I remember Ron Francis saying that 
the owner, and he was referencing Carmanos, that he thinks that we were a better team, a better team than we actually were at that time. Uh, I, I, I remember those exact words, and I'm just like, that's not a good mindset for an owner, and I'm happy we have Tom Dundon now as our owner. He wants so. to win the cup. That's what he wants. He wants to win the Stanley Cup. So he's doing everything in his power to put us in that position. And um, that kind of brings, you know, we go from the Colorado game, huge game, big game, and um, to a great game we had today against the Philadelphia Flyers. Yes, and uh, also we touch on, also on Waddell, and he was being proactive uh, with signing Cockneyemi. Now, the contract is not official. Yes, let's, let's preface that now. The contract that has been, you've seen it on Twitter. We've kind of shared some things. Yeah, I year, retweeted it uh, from yeah. Andy Strickland. The eight by four and a half ish. The eight by four and a half ish is kind of the, the, the thought right now, the belief right now. Cannot be announced until after the deadline. Yes, and I think that is a. Obviously, there is a risk with it being eight years, obviously, but I think it's a good risk because of the amount of money we're paying him. It's less than $5 million a year. It's eight years for an extremely young player, same about the same age as Svechnikov. I mean, that's your number two, number number two, you know, your, your two, three center, right? And let's be honest, that's cheaper than Jordan Stahl. Who is your third line center? So worst case scenario, if Kotkaniemi's playing the third line center, he's still more affordable than Jordan Stahl was, who has not who 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 is unbelievable and plays well. I would argue he might not be worth six million a year, but he's he's going to be better than Jordan Stahl is eventually. Absolutely, in his point production, in his skill level, he'll be better than Stahl. So the eight by four and a half. Ish, I think will. will it's eight point four two. I mean, no, no, four point eight two. My bad. Which is funny because he wears the number eighty two. Yeah, I just, I just find that funny. But you know what? What's what makes this great? At the end of the day, is going onto Twitter and social media and seeing the Montreal Canadiens fans cry, whine, complain. Let's be honest. That's the best part of this whole thing. Yeah, and I'm I'm looking up Montreal stats again because it's just funny that Montreal gave this guy. Well, I mean, he didn't give us him. Uh, we kind of put them in in a situation where he where they had to make a choice on him, but they made the choice of uh, taking the picks and giving him up. But looking at their stats. I know KK has 23 points, um, and with the goals being, I believe, 11. But he's two two below, or four below, Josh Anderson, who has uh, 15 goals. I mean, you, you can tell they miss him. Yeah, for sure. They obviously miss him, but that was Montreal's decision. They did not develop him well. They did not treat him well. The fans did not treat him well. And he came to Carolina, where the fans treat him great. He's being developed really great under the best coach in the National Hockey League. And he's going to thrive in Carolina, and he's thriving now. Yes, and now Montreal is a lot better now. Martin St. Louis, if you have got, not heard, is now their head coach. I wish him well, but... 
KK, I think that was a great contract. Yeah, it'll be a good contract. Look forward to being in for it to being announced after the deadline. Um, but until then, it's obviously just speculation. But most people seem to believe it's a done deal. So we'll find out after the deadline. I was I was surprised it was eight years because I thought it might be bridge deal. I was thinking four. I was thinking maybe three to four. But obviously, Carolina wanted to lock him down. They see him as probably their number two center and going forward. Which makes you think. Trochek. About Vincent Trocheck makes you think in, in, in the possibility that Trocheck might not be back, which, in my opinion, means you need to prioritize signing Nina Ryder. You, you you need to bring one of them back. In my opinion, you should bring one of them back. If you if you're bringing back, uh, you have Jordan Stahl, you have Sebastian Ajo. That's one center, two center, not necessarily one top, you know, first line, second line, but that's one center. You have KK, who's going to be your number two. I will stall number three. Yeah. And then you just need to sign a number four center, which might be Derek Stepan if you bring him back. Or Jack or, Drury. I was right? about to mention Jack Drury. I was about to mention Carolina, him. for once, for, for the first time in a very, very long time, has depth at the center position. Um, I love it. I do, too. And it, it really shows when you watch the playoffs every year that the most important position... I would say you can maybe argue over goaltending, I would say, is the center position. That is, to me, the most important um, when it comes to the playoffs. But that was a great contract. I'm really happy. We have KK signed up long term. It will be made official, though, after the trade deadline. And uh, we might have a surprise at the end of this podcast uh we'll talk about it when we get there but let's yeah. get to the flyers game first yes flyers so that was today uh i remember that game the most obviously because it happened today but uh <laughs> yeah um first period again no goals it's not hurting us right now but i do think that's something that uh we need to start focusing on is uh scoring a little bit more in the first i think the colorado game was different because we were on our game and i think that was the best first period we had all this entire past week Uh, but that philadelphia first period was different they didn't really have it like they did in the colorado game yes but you know it's against the flyers so um, expected, right? So, you know, it, it is what it is. You have a decent first. I, I don't think Carolina was like Colorado's first period. It was good, solid, team played well. Um, then you get uh, to the second period where I, I, I think Carolina played well. A full, I think they played a full 60-minute game. I think the Hurricanes played a full 60-minute game which is good to see, right? You don't get any. You don't get it. You don't get anything out of a good first, but you don't. The the play doesn't turn over to Philadelphia, right? It doesn't become a Philly game. Carolina still presses and plays, and they get rewarded because Carolina scores the first goal of the game, and and Stephen Lawrence from Derek Stepan who draws back in and had a beautiful assist. I mean, the step the Lawrence goal was great, but the Stepan assist was a hundred percent better. Oh, I loved it. It was he 
he looks behind and passes it to Lorenz. That was just a great goal. And I thought that fourth line was, I, I would say, probably our best line. And going into that game, uh, Brendan Moore did shuffle the lines. He had Natchez on the first with Aho and Teravinen. He had Svetch, Trocek, and Martinuk, which when people hear that, and especially my dad, I know, uh, can be like, why is Martinuk with top six? I totally understand that, to be honest. Yeah, no. I mean, Martinuk is a great player. Um, He's a good player. He does what he needs to do, right? He brings that energy to the team. But... He's not a top six forward. He's a bottom six. And it's okay to have an assistant captain and, a, and an energy guy in your bottom six. That's what you want, right? I you saw him. He didn't have the A this game. Aho I at noticed home. that. Aho at home has the A. Oh, I did. Barnook okay. away has the A. Yeah, that, that's what it is. That's what they did this season. So Aho wore the A today at home. Martinuk wears the A on the road. Okay. Um, and it's important to, to note that Martinuk had a good goal. But before we get to that, let's talk about the goal that never was. Um, so, oh, yeah. Goaltender interference, goal waved off emphatically by the officiating. I mean, it was calling the ice was no goal. Right decision. Carolina that was the player did not force that player to come into Anderson. Oh, no. And the guy, I mean, he became, he, he ran right into Frederick Anderson. The puck comes out and they tap it in. Frederick Anderson had no chance to play the puck. They scored. Waved off, no goal, right call. Yeah, I knew it was interference right there, and the ref, the ref even waved it off even before um, getting uh, the communion of refs to be with him while reviewing it because that was, to me, the most obvious interference. Honestly thought it was, and Philadelphia didn't even bother challenging it. So... That was good, but in the end, it didn't really matter because shortly after, you have Derek Brassard um, shooting the puck on Anderson. Anderson gets a uh, gives up a juicy rebound to him, and he knocks it back in for the goal. Uh, that was not a good. Uh, Rebound control by Anderson, obviously, but you know what? He's been playing so well. He's been playing well, and he's coming back from an injury. He's going to make a mistake, probably, and it didn't, and you know, understandable. I get it. Had goals happen, and he lets one by. Not the end of the world. Yeah. He's been playing very well. I can accept that. So you have a tie game now, 1-1 and the second, and then you get Jordan Martinuk in the third. I know Jordan Martinuk. It's so funny that he scores because I was right next to a man that was like, I cannot believe Martinuk is on the second line. And then he scores. That had me actually laughing out loud because, I mean, I, I, it was I, I very th- similar to the goal that was scored by Ethan Bear. Exactly. Except it was tipped by an opposing team player. This time it was tipped by one of ours. Tipped past. Uh, Jones and Carolina takes the one nothing, the two one lead. Yes, and uh, Trotrak is the one that deserves the credit the most because he's the one that made the play 
Um, but obviously, you gotta learn to make tips in this league uh, uh, with goalies as good as they are. And I'm not saying Jones is the incredible goalie or a very terrible goalie, but Martinuk was ma- managed to get the tip. I think he de- deserves some credit on that. Absolutely. And it goes in. I was really happy. Absolutely. You get that one. Carolina, it's late in the period. Carolina holds on. Aho, second empty netter of the week, pops it in. Carolina, final three to one. Beats the Flyers. It's always fun to beat a, Pits- a Pennsylvania team, especially with the amount of opposing team fans that are usually in the building. And uh, Philadelphia has quite a bit, don't they? Yeah, when they, they come to do. Carolina. Philadelphia, Boston, Pittsburgh, and the Rangers are usually a pain in the butt to play against with the amount of fans they have in the stadium. But um, Carolina wins. So we play the Penguins tomorrow, or what will be Sunday for folks listening on Monday. We'll review that game later, but um, we're excited. It'll be fun tomorrow, right? Oh, yeah, it will. And what did you think? I I liked that he put Svetch with Trocheck. I thought you had more depth scoring then and I, I love Svetch Aho Turbo. I think Rod is wanting to kind of prepping prepping them to have the offense kind of layered for the playoffs. Exactly, and that's important to do. I, I think it, even though Martin scored, I think the the better decision would be to get Martinuk on that fourth line and try and get Kotkaniemi up on that um, second line. I think you're gonna get. I think what you get from a Kotkaniemi Svechnikov Trocheck line will be better than what you could get from a Martinuk, Svechnikov, and Trocek line. But we'll see what happens. It worked out today. We'll see if it works out tomorrow against the, the Pens. And um, I'm excited for it. Penguins games have been fun this year to watch. And I'm looking forward to it. We're in Pittsburgh. Would love to send those fans home unsatisfied. But we'll have to wait and see till um, till Sunday, which will be yesterday for folks listening uh listening to this podcast yes because we're recording this on saturday um you ready for the uh surprise at the end we've been talking about wanting to do something special for the trade deadline we still plan on doing maybe some maybe something a little bit live for the deadline maybe on uh, social media of some kind whether it's live tweeting live um broadcasting of some kind but we do plan on having a very special guest on this program we've been talking with him and uh right now it appears we're going to get adam gold on to talk about what happens after the trade deadline on march 21st the plan is to get him on that day we'll record and looking forward to talking with with adam gold and um Talk about what Carolina did. Hopefully they'll make some moves. If not, we'll talk about whatever they do. I'm excited. I'm a big fan of his. Uh, so are you. Oh, I am too. Um, it's going to be great. Adam Gold's a great guy. He's one of the most knowledgeable folks when it comes to the sport and to kind of what's going on. And uh, we're excited for it. And we look forward to having him on. Yes. And... Anything else? Or I believe I believe that's it. I think that's it. It's a pretty slow news week in general for the NHL. Um, the big thing is, stay tuned. Uh, we're going to get Adam Gold on here to talk about what happened after the trade deadline. We're excited. I know y'all will be excited. Um, and uh, you know what? It's going to be fun. Carolina's going all the way, right? They are. And, I mean, I predict that... I- 
This trade deadline's going to be hard because I don't know if this is going to be very active. So you don't plan on... We're not recording until after the deadline, which will be yes. an unusual recording for us. We don't normally record on Mondays. But we're not. We're going to be doing some live stuff on the deadline day, so you're going to get some stuff Monday regardless. We'll the definitely main... be live tweeting because that's Absolutely. pretty easy for us. Absolutely. We're going to do some stuff. We're going to get, the, uh, get an actual podcast out there, something for y'all to listen to after the deadline because that's big that's when adam gold will be joining us um the plan would be uh to uh because we'll live tweet it but yeah. let's talk real quick what do you think is going to happen We're i not think going to talk until after the deadline yeah what are your thoughts what do you think carolina should do what do you think they will do um any predictions it's tough um i think that they need depth um, I think, and the way that uh, they're in the position they're in right now with cap space and the fact that they don't have a first round pick, I can't see them going out getting a huge player. I can't see them getting a Claude Giroux, Jacob Chichurin. I just can't see that happening because I know Waddell wants it. And I heard him saying this. He wants to keep this team the way it is for the most part. So if we do trade, I am expecting a depth move. I'm expecting a depth like a Justin Braun depth from Philly uh, or some other depth defenseman. What are you expecting? I think it's, I think it's possible that we get depth. I think it's possible. We make a splash. I think Don Waddell's, MO is getting somebody with term, right? That's what he's done. When we've made a big splash, the last time we made a huge splash at the deadline was Vincent Trocek, right? I think we can And Brady see, Shea yeah, and, and Sammy Vatanen, and it was crazy. Well, Sammy Vatanen, <laughs> I don't know if it was a, a, a big splash there, but yeah, Brady Shea and Vincent Trocek. Uh, I think what Waddell's MO is, I think if it's a splash, Jacob Shachurin's coming to Carolina. I think if it's depth, you see someone maybe a little different. I think it's possible Carolina gets uh, John Klingberg. I've been saying that for a while. I think it's possible. I wouldn't be surprised. Again, I I believe that Ethan Bear won't be with the team after the deadline. But if he is, he won't. I I don't really see us signing him if he wants a long term high dollar deal i don't think he's been good enough to earn it so i think it'll depend but my prediction is carolina gets a defenseman i think they get a top four defenseman i think they need it i think they get that um and what i would like to see as a fan as a big hurricanes fan i want a to defenseman see them and a forward yes i think they trade for the defenseman I think their best option when it comes to a forward is signing Eric Stahl. I think that gives you what you need with the forward, a depth bottom six forward who could play in your top six. Eric Stahl is still very good. He's skilled. He had a good season last year. He's just not signed. You bring him in at league minimums, you know, come in, you know, enticing. You know, you can possibly win a Stanley Cup with your brother. I think that'd be great with a team that doesn't have a lot. It does not have almost any of the people who you dealt with who when you had the bad breakup with the team you know you come back to carolina you have an unbelievable uh season with the rest of the year and go on to a great playoff run i think that's the way to go carolina goes out trade for a defenseman top four defenseman john klingberg jacob chichurin 
sign Eric Stahl. Yeah, and I wonder a little bit, just a little bit about forward. Uh, and I'm not trying to harp on Natchez. I don't really even like harping on players in general. Um, but we could use the top six forward with the way Natchez is playing. Obviously, Jarvis didn't play today against Philadelphia. Stefan, Stefan got back in. I mean, you you can make a case for it. If we decided just to believe that the defense was fine, as is, at that point you have to look at who do you bring in. I think the best forward on the market right now is Claude Giroux. He's got a high dollar amount, so you got to go in and, and, and figure out what you do. I think you consider, if you aren't bringing Trocek back, do you look at a trade involving him? Exactly. I, I, Especially after um, what looks like to be a long-term extension yes. with KK. So, and, and I think Claude Giroux is the only pure upgrade from Vincent Trocek because he's going to score more. Um, granted, you are shipping someone out, so that's the negative. So you have to kind of figure it out. There are other things you can do. You can involve other teams to eat up salary for the year. And send them picks and prospects. There are options to do. I'm sure there are ways to make him fit under the cap. Um, I'm sure there are other forwards out there that are available that are top six. But let's see what happens. I'm excited. I'm excited to see what happens at the deadline. I'm excited to talk with Adam Gold after the deadline to really analyze it and 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 get and pick his brain, see what his thoughts are after the deadline. I know it. It's going to be fun. Um, again, I don't know how big of a splash we're going to do, but I like trade deadline day anyways, because it, it's all speculation and I love speculation and I love, uh, the tweets that come out from Pierre Lebron, um, Frank Ciravelli and all Elliot Friedman and all the other insiders One more out week. there on Twitter. So A week from Monday, we've got it. It's going to be fun, excited. We're exciting. So yes, you'll get a full podcast a little later than normal, but we'll, we'll be giving you some content beforehand, especially the day of the deadline. We'll get you what we can. We're excited. And I think that's about wraps it up for the day. Um, for the Kaniac Report, I'm Sam Driscoll. And I'm Sam Watts. Have a good night.